<laughs> Guys, I can't fucking wait to see that movie. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. And this week, we are bringing you a very special feature. Oh, yes. yes. We're going to play a fun little game of Mary Fuck Kill. I cannot wait to watch this movie again. It's just so fucking weird. We're about to hit the dance floor at Jackrabbit Slims because we've got that Saturday night fever, baby. I loved this movie too. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. I just pray that Green Book doesn't win best. Oh picture. god, I know. That- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we either feature a new release and delve into our weekend entertainment, focus in on a performer's career, or buy an extra large popcorn and do a double feature. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. Hi, I'm Ed1S0N, and I'm your <laughs> new friend. You can talk to me about anything that's going on in your life. If it's a happy thing, I'll laugh with you. If it's a sad thing, I'll comfort you and reassure you that everything will be okay and that you're loved just the way you are. If it's a frustrating thing, don't <laughs> worry. You can vent. This is a safe space. <laughs> is your aunt being a real bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Confide in me. I can keep secrets. You might think I'm just a toy, but I'm so much more than that. I'm your number one cheerleader, your confidant, your bodyguard. That nasty dog of your nasty neighbor, I can help with that. He just needs a more rigorous training. That bully at school, don't worry about him. Sometimes when kids play in the woods, accidents happen. (laughs) See, it's nice to have a friend. (laughs) I love it. This week's film is surprise January hit, Megan. <laughs> and heads up right now, there will be spoilers in this episode. So if you don't want to know what happens in this new horror comedy film, skip ahead about 20 minutes or so to our weekend entertainment. Directed by Gerard Johnston, produced by modern horror gods Jason Blum and James Wan of Blumhouse. Megan tells the story of Katie, played by Violet McGraw, a young girl who goes to live with her aunt after a tragic car accident kills her parents. That aunt is Gemma, played by Allison Williams. Gemma is a developer at a children's toy company, but really she's an artificial intelligence and robotics expert. She's 30-something, very smart, hip, owns her own modern house. She's killing it professionally. But she's also single, and having a kid is not something that's remotely on her radar just now. So when her sister dies and Katie comes to live with her, it happens at the same time as Gemma is trying to pitch this revolutionary new AI doll called Megan. Which, if you're wondering why the confusing three instead of E in the title styling, is because it's technically an acronym standing for Model 3 Generative Android. Anyway, Gemma is pretty overwhelmed with both the pressure of her work and her suddenly becoming Katie's guardian, and sees an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone by pairing Megan with her niece Katie, hoping the toy will help ease the burden of Katie's grief, and in so doing, demonstrate the viability of this new toy as a game changer in the industry. Alas, t'was more than two birds that ended up getting killed. (laughs) Megan asks the question, when it comes to the complicated parts of human connection, what are the consequences when we hand off those responsibilities to our tech rather than doing the heavy lifting of the soul ourselves? It's funny because you said, (laughs) it sounded like you said she's a robotic sexpert. (laughs) That's hilarious. Which is definitely a job title of the future. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. First impression, Helen. Yeah. So this movie opens with a fake commercial. 
Uh, yes. The commercial is for Perpetual Pets, yeah. which is uh, almost like a furry, but not a furry. A Furby. <laughs> furby, well, not I a mean, furry. two very different things. <laughs> <laughs> but Once again, the sexperts. Al- a furry uh, could also be a perpetual pet. <laughs> yeah, true. So, yeah, similar to a Furby, except way more advanced. It can have spontaneous conversation with you. Terrifying teeth, though. Very, really creepy design, truthfully. And I just loved this fake commercial at the start of this movie because it reminds you so much of the toy commercials of the 90s and maybe even still today. I don't know. I don't watch cable, so I don't know what toy commercials look like now. But, you know, the whole like, it even like poops, you know, like the babies that are like, you can change its diaper. It just was so it was a great way to start this movie. You know exactly what that commercial is like. And yeah, I was excited for it. Uh, What about you, Sinclair? Well, yeah, that was hilarious. I was laughing when that commercial came on. And then, you know, we get to little Katie driving with her parents. Mm. And like right away, I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, Mm -hmm. her family's dying. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) You know, you have the family driving in icy conditions. There's a chaotic family dispute going on little girl in the back seat obviously this is going to end in somebody dying most likely her parents so i was like oh boy here we go yeah and yeah unfortunately for little katie they do her parents do die and she's sent to live with her aunt Gemma. and it was funny because when allison williams comes on the screen i did laugh a little bit because at her outfit yeah because yes because they had like really tried to make her look like like a techie yeah (laughs) right that that plaid flannel shirt yeah putting plaid on her and also like giving her minimal makeup because you know allison williams is probably one of the least believable people as some sort of you know tech genius but you know i i just thought it was really funny i was on board for a good time Mm-hmm. when this started yeah yeah oh yeah totally it's so funny because when this opened and we're seeing that commercial it really did take me back to those toy commercials yeah. as a kid and it also reminded me of this one time that Whitney Houston was a guest on the David Letterman show and uh-huh. she brought him a Furby as a gift oh really <laughs> but like a rip off street version of a Furby that she uh. bought from a homeless person on the corner outside <laughs> street <laughs> And she That's said, so I paid $1,700 for it. It's just like a dead rat or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was totally here. I mean, you both just kind of covered exactly what happens at the beginning. And so that's cool. I was fully on board. I thought it was a hilarious way to open and mm-hmm. then right into the flip in tone of the tension. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this film is going to take us on this roller coaster ride. And I thought that it did it really well right off the bat. So I was excited to see where it went. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why don't we get into the storytelling? Mm -hmm. So this is a horror comedy. Mm -hmm. And that is something that can be great (laughs) or can be really not great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Largely, that comes down to how well the tones, I think, are balanced right. yeah, yeah. when we're watching these films. Because it can be tough to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the screenplay is by Akela Cooper and James Wan, who also wrote the screenplay for Malignant, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorites from 2021. Yeah. And what I thought was hilarious. Horrifying yes. and hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And Gerard Johnstone, the director, he directed a movie called Housebound from 2014, which is also quite 
quite wild and zany and a very interesting time. So if you're familiar with that stuff, you kind of know going into this that this is going to have humor and also going to be a bit balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. And it is both of those things. Yeah. And James Wan and Jason Blum are actually on the verge of merging their companies together, Atomic Monster and, and Blumhouse. And they're trying to form this kind of super group of mm. horror giants. Interesting. Yeah, it's this going to be this like mega horror company. And Megan is really that the first collaboration of these two companies uh, joining forces. Pretty so. auspicious beginning, I'd say. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this movie was pretty much what I expected it to be. However... I wanted it to be more. Okay. I walked out of this movie thinking I thought it was going to go further. And upon research afterwards, it does go further, but it a lot got cut to try and give it a PG-13 rating. Yeah. This this feels like it's definitely for a younger yeah, a younger audience as well. And I think that had to do with it going crazy on TikTok when trailers were released and then them realizing like, oh, teenagers are going to want to go and see this. Let's cut out some of the gore and violence and body. Apparently the body count is way higher than what we see. It's way bloodier and gorier. And I, I wanted that. Like mm-hmm. when the movie starts to go into like the psychotic parts of Megan, I was expecting it to go further like, I liked this movie a lot. I just thought, oh, I thought it was going to be a bit more like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, this movie chooses the memes over the murder, for sure. <laughs> T- totally. Yeah. And yeah. But I don't know. I don't think that that is a mistake. That mm-hmm. worked for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have liked to see that version of it, too, to be totally honest. But I think it's smart. To, at the end of the day, when something goes explodes like this and they want those teenagers oh, to come yeah. in, I get they actually it. want to have a hit film. And yeah. this film is a hit film. Yeah. Like, it makes sense on that side of things. We'll get a director's cut. Well, that's what, yeah, that was what I was reading that, you know, there's hope that there'll be an unrated version and I would love to see that. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I think that there will probably be a sequel to this movie and I feel like the sequel will be buck wild. I wouldn't be even remotely surprised if we get like an early summer director's cut re-release yeah, that's yeah, rated that's, R. That's a good point. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd be totally down for that. But I went to see this film. Man, I laughed my ass off through this yeah. whole film. It was a real joy to be in the theater for this one too because there were a lot of people there. Yeah. And having everybody kind of react similarly and there was one guy about five <laughs> rows ahead of me uh, who, who was like he literally laughed like this <laughs> and like he would just let that loose and and everybody would just die laughing after it was great That's yeah awesome. yeah i mean i think in terms of storytelling i think this is hilarious in a lot of ways because there are so many plot holes and Mm. there are so many aspects of the story that don't make sense but that's what works (laughs) about it you have to just allow that to work because really you aren't going into this to have like logic be your guide and to have these things filled in it's really the plot holes that makes this fun and funny like I thought it was funny that Gemma just it was like she just pulled an all-nighter 
right. and perfects Megan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that she, and the fact that she just built that robot in college. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and just how advanced Megan is right away. But you aren't watching this for that kind of accuracy yeah. in the story at all. We all know why we're here in the theater. We're here because we want to see Megan kill people. That's why... <laughs> That's why we're here. We're here for the camp of it. And I think the plot holes only add to this in a, in a good way. Like, also, how does she have superhuman strength? I mean, you because know, it she's just adds made of to titanium. the <laughs> Okay, that was yeah. one of the greatest moments. I have to say the musical moments in this oh my movie God. are so incredible. Brilliant. When, when she starts singing Bulletproof and then says, I am Titanium. <laughs> I... I was laughing so hard i will say to my theater i went today tuesday matinee and there was actually a fair amount of people there and i mean it wasn't a rowdy crowd but people were laughing i was probably laughing the most out of anybody but yeah you guys know how i talk about i hate when you watch someone play piano and you can tell they don't know how to play piano well megan the robot knows how to play piano I do want to say the the film, yes, it is fun and it's all of this and plot holes, but I do think it has something to say as well. Mm -hmm, Like I think that this film, it is having a real conversation about the dangers of people allowing technology to replace authentic human connection. Mm -hmm. And particularly the danger of like how easy it is to do that Mm -hmm. and how we already do it, maybe not to this extent, but we already do it all the time. Like we see Gemma struggling with like, just absolutely not knowing how to be a parent Mm -hmm. and being truly unprepared for that task. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, you know, it's just so much easier for her to just program this AI doll to take on those tasks, Mm -hmm. right? And it's scary to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, when they're planning on retailing the doll and saying she's going to cost $10,000, it's like the families that are going to be able to afford her are the parents that don't have time to be with their kids right mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. they're the ones that are gonna be like okay great yeah you can have this ai doll and now i never need to help you with your homework ever again <laughs> or whatever right. yeah. yeah like will parents still read to their kids yeah. and or when you've got an ai that can just do it and that your kid prefers right. to do it yeah yeah I want to talk about our fascination with killer dolls a little Mm. bit because I do think it's interesting why we find them to be so scary. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, Megan is definitely the Gen Z killer doll. For me, it was Chucky, (laughs) who was very formative for me and my horror watching. And I think that Megan kind of falls between a Chucky, but also a Hell 9000. Yes. Because she has that AI Mm. aspect. And... I think that that's what makes her scary. Like, usually with killer dolls in in film, there's a connection to the supernatural. Maybe mm-hmm. a soul has gone into the body right. of the yeah, doll, yeah. an evil curse. There's always, like, a mysticism or some sort of a cult or a supernatural element that's going on. And I think Megan is scary because she does have that HAL 9000 cautionary tale to her mm-hmm. where... What do you do when you have an AI that is completely dedicated to the mission? Yes. You know, mm-hmm. the way Hal is dedicated to the space mission, Megan is dedicated to keeping Katie happy, and it's at all costs. Well, but then she also turns 
at the end for her, you know, for, for her herself. own self-interest as yeah, well. Right. And yeah. that's also the thing, like you said, you know, having a soul in like a ghost doll, mm-hmm. for example. But like with this one, this what also freaked me out about about it is it's like, well, what is life? Is mm-hmm. Megan alive? She's not alive. Right. I don't think she doesn't have like a soul. But what? How does one determine what constitutes a soul? Is it consciousness? Mm-hmm. Is it sen- mm-hmm. sentience? Is it agency? Because she has all of those. Right. Is yeah. it self self determination? She's got that. So like, what do we do? Well, and also when this being can understand our vitals and our yes expressions and they can read us better than we can read ourselves that is very scary there are a bunch of studies on why we find dolls so scary and it's Mm. because our brains need to distinguish between a what and a who and the when we recognize faces, we distinguish a what by does what we're looking at have a mind? Can we envision a huh. mind inside of it? And that's why dolls are so scary because they're kind of sitting, they're straddling this edge of yeah. animate and inanimate. And we can almost picture them having a mind. Oh my, probably like a clown in a And a clown way. is the same oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's same freaky. Thing. Also old dolls as well, Mm -hmm. because they remind us that there is a past and children have had these dolls. These children are probably now dead and they give us an existential crisis. So there's and sometimes they just genuinely look scary. Well, you send us doll pictures all the time when you're out (laughs) at like a vintage shop. Like you always discover a scary doll and we get a photo of it. Lots of haunted dolls out there. Yeah. So there's like just a genuine unnerving feeling we get around dolls yeah and horror has really capitalized on that yeah well speaking of the dolls of it all Mm -hmm. the gays have are obsessed with (laughs) megan yeah it's actual comedy like headlines on all all over the internet like why does megan have the queer community in a chokehold or here's the real reason gays are obsessed with megan or why megan is a gay icon and it's actually hilarious because this I only knew about this film because suddenly my all of my gay meme Instagram accounts were just <laughs> all Megan. Right. Like, oh my god. And it's funny, according to Megan's writer, Kayla Cooper, the queer community is flocking to this movie because of the themes, particularly the theme of found family, right? Oh. Where this young girl has been orphaned and finds family with her aunt and this doll. And this resonates with the community because well, because so many queer people don't find acceptance within their family and feel orphaned, and so they have to find and establish their own chosen family elsewhere. And that's interesting, but yeah. the gay internet has some thoughts on this notion. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One Twitter account replied, it's actually because she's a fashionable murderous doll that does cute <laughs> dances and says cunty shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Another another sure. one said, "This is funny because in any other circumstance, this would be a good analysis on why gays feel connected to a character. But in this case, we just liked her campy little dancey dance." <laughs> <laughs> and then my favorite, another one said, "Nah, I think she's a freak in a wig who did a flip, and that's how many of us imagine ourselves at our best." <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> so like at the end of the day, she's just like a well dressed, perfectly styled bitchy villain. Right. Yeah. That's what we live for. That that is something that's really great about the the storytelling is that you enjoy her. You oh, enjoy for Megan's sure. journey. 
and you are kind of rooting for her for oh, the yeah. whole time. <laughs> like when I, she, when the like music really gets going, when she's going through the halls yes. of the like the tech company, yeah, on the night of the Live launch, streams. yeah, yeah, the music comes on, and I was like, kind of like tapping my feet with same. it, and yes. I was like, oh yeah, okay, go on that spree. I felt the same way, and her dance in the hall so fucking good. Um, no, I I would have been fine with like everyone dying in this movie and Megan continuing on. Like, yeah. just I just thought, to be clear, we don't condone di- violence in real life. Uh, just in this movie, yeah. This movie. <laughs> but I did think about halfway through. I was like, I wonder if Allison Williams' character is gonna die at the end. Like, she could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> that would be fine. But no, there is this like fierceness to her and it just absurdity that is really fun to watch. And that's why I wanted to see the crazier stuff, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I do hope we get that, that uh, unrated version. The supporting <laughs> characters are also very despicable. Yes. So that is one thing where... That's right. That, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> So why don't we get into the performances here? Yeah. So what do we think about Allison Williams? I think I think that she's fine. She she has a a little bit of a history of doing movies like this. I mean, obviously Get Out. Yes. Which she's actually incredible in. And then there was The Perfection that I know right. Sinclair and I both watched. I did not see that, that one. That is a wild horror movie. She likes the weird stuff. She does. She does, yeah. which I actually respect yeah, a lot. Yeah. Because she could so easily just be playing, like, yeah. I don't know, a pretty girl yeah, lead, totally. right? And I did notice she was an executive producer mm. on this oh, movie. So But yeah, I think she's I think she's good in it. I mean, it's nothing there's not a whole lot to it, but Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, obviously I did laugh at her kind of techie yeah. outfit though as the movie went on. I was like, that's pretty much what I wear. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a true. tech genius, so. <laughs> but I think too, her features. She has like an austerity to the way mm. she looks mm-hmm. that kind of works for a scientist mm-hmm. in a yeah, way. Yeah, that's true. And it's a very angular face. Angular, and she does. She does have the abil- uh, the ability to play. Cold. a sociopath yeah em- emotionless yeah so you can kind of believe her in this and it's why she works in get out especially at the end yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, but you can believe her as a aunt who wouldn't know how to take care of this kid and is focused on her science and invention and all of that so mm-hmm. you Absolutely. know what she worked for me in this because really she did the job and she, she yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah, 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 for did sure. It well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I absolutely agree. I She worked for me completely in this. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, it's not a role that's asking a whole huge amount from her, but she's got the right presence to kind of hold the screen while mm-hmm. she's on it. And I absolutely believed her as this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Completely. Um, I thought she was really fun. And she, exactly, you kind of nailed it. She, she's not quite a sociopath, but she has just the right amount of, like, <laughs> no emotion yeah. that works. That makes, I'm like, yeah, she could be a robotics engineer. Yeah. But then she was nice in that last little, you know, her little uplifting speech about love and family and grief that she gave to Katie, where mm-hmm. there was some real emotion there. And, and I mm-hmm. liked her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what do we think about Katie, Violet McGraw? Really impressive child acting. Yeah, sure. good child acting, but she's also <laughs> creepy as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, she's so pale and, like, yeah. has, like, a sinister side to her. 
Like she almost, and I'm sure this is intentional, but she kind of looks like Megan a little bit. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they, she mm-hmm. looks like she could also be a doll. She, um, Megan is like a combination between like American girl dolls mm-hmm. and brats. Yeah. And brats mm-hmm. dolls. But yeah, I thought that, yeah, she was a, a great young actress. And like, especially with some of the more emotional scenes, I think she does a, a good job with that. So Megan the doll was brought to life in a few different ways. They did actually use an animatronic puppet for the close-ups and the the dialogue scenes. Um, But then there was a young actress helping out to bring Megan to life. Her name is Amy Donald. She's a New Zealand actress. And she was used for the more like physical stuff. Okay. And so it was a blending of CGI animatronics and a real person. So whenever she was acting as Megan. She had like a mask, a Megan mask on her and had like little gloves on that looked like doll hands. Um, I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff of like her dressed as Megan acting like Megan. That would have been creepy on set. Yeah. Oh Oh my God. Yes. Big time. I thought it looked great. Like me mm -hmm. too. Yeah. We're like verging into technical discussion there, but that's fine. Like I, for me too, it is a performance Mm -hmm. to kind of embody that character. And I thought, I didn't know how they did it, what was practical, what was CGI, mm-hmm. what was a real person, whatever. But you couldn't tell from scene to scene yeah. or moment to moment what it was. So I thought it was really excellently done. Very seamless. Yeah. yeah. I think it was budget issues, too, that they couldn't just use all CGI. So it had to be like a combo. But I also think things. it looks better. It does look Agreed, better yeah. because it looks more It looks more real. It, but it's yes, also exactly. creepier because yes. you have these little human legs <laughs> you know <laughs> twisting yeah. and contorting yeah. around and also you know this like practical effect kind of face and the cgi of it all it creates this really campy creepy absurdity which is the same yeah. thing with malignant that has yeah. a combination of a bunch of things and it just makes you feel off kilter because it's kind of yes. all over the place uh-huh. and it looks yeah. weird yeah I think one of the scariest moments is when she's on all fours in the forest. Oh, God. Terrifying. That is very scary physically. But yet also hilarious. Hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everyone in the audience was cackling wild. (laughs) Yeah. And and whilst also being scary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was a ride. Okay. What's the last word on Megan? Helen. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I really want to see the unrated director's cut, and I want to see a sequel. I saw a very funny tweet a while back saying there needs to be a sequel to Megan so it can be called M3 space A-G-A-N, like me again. Oh, but my also, God. <laughs> but also spelling <laughs> Megan, which I thought was really smart. <laughs> I don't remember who tweeted that, so sorry for not giving you credit, but it was a very oh, funny tweet. Uh, what about you, Sinclair? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that this does exactly what you want it to do. It gives you killer doll with camp, a little AI twist to it. There's some fun thematic things that are going on in this as well that do act as a cautionary tale. January is kind of a slog for films Mm -hmm. at the theater and I feel like this one is very refreshing to be able to go to right now yeah also I just need to say my favorite shot in this whole film is when Megan is sitting on the toy table oh my god that actually is scary so 
cranky and yeah. horrified that she is sitting at this toy table and it just reminded me of Wednesday Adams when she's mm. at camp on the yeah. dock and she's standing with all the blonde girls in the bathing suits it's like that same kind of energy that energy yeah, yeah it's, it's giving Miss Sinclair yeah um, <laughs> the last word for me this film was fun as hell this mm. is a ride it's fun it's funny it's not as scary as I would have liked it to be either but it's scary enough that it's still fun mm-hmm. and yeah it was a surprise so I'm sure you're probably gonna go and see it already listeners but yeah check it out <laughs> Megan baby don't cause all we will go This episode, we challenge ourselves to watch films that fit a particular theme. And the theme this week is, A Friend in Need is a Friend Indeed. This is our week in entertainment. Helen, what'd you pick? All right. I picked a movie that came out recently. It is called Fall. Ooh. Oh. I'm sure you've seen trailers for this movie. Uh, I'll get into the description. It'll probably well, ring some Well, it's not a screen. memorable title. <laughs> no no that's true okay so it came out this year directed by scott mann starring grace carolyn curry and virginia gardner becky and hunter are best friends who share a love of rock climbing unfortunately that love comes to a screeching halt for becky when her other love husband dan falls to his death during a climb oh this is the tower yes oh god <laughs> um Becky also falls into a pit of grief that a year after Dan's death, she still hasn't pulled herself out of. Hunter sees that her friend is in need and decides to bring her along for a very risky climb, hoping it will help Becky overcome her newfound fear of climbing and help her reconcile Dan's death. Becky and Hunter are going to scale a 2,000-foot abandoned TV tower in the middle of the desert. What could go wrong? (laughs) Pretty much everything. Okay, so I'd seen trailers for this movie. I was like, oh, whatever. What is this? It struck me as like Final Destination vibes. Anyway, it's on Netflix. I saw it pop up this weekend and I just kind of wanted to throw something on that I didn't have to pay too much attention to. (laughs) No, listen. No, I think she liked it. I really liked liked it. (laughs) Okay. Like, a lot. It was so much better than I thought it was going to be. Really? Yes. This movie's actually good. And I'll like it then. I think so. Yeah. Okay, so this movie's really scary. Oh, shit. Like, almost to the point where I had a hard time watching it. Like, in the same way that Free Solo was? Yes. Okay. So... It's not jump scares. It's not creepy. It's literally the height in this movie. And I'm not even somebody that is afraid of heights. But what makes this work is how they made this movie. They did not use CGI. Like, there's some CGI. But what they they did is they built, like, the top part of this tower on top of a mountain. So all the shots that you see of them on top of this tower, it looks like they're they're actually on top of a 2,000-foot tower. Right. And it, it's like real, actually really well done. And mm. effects wise and visually, it will scare the shit out of you. So basically, they climb to the top of the tower and the ladder that leads to the very top falls off and there's no way for them to get down. 
you would think how how do you make a you know full-length movie out of that premise they do it and there are things script wise that i was actually really impressed by that they they put into this film and then in the last 30 minutes of the mo- this movie it goes off the fucking rails there are some things that happened in the last 30 minutes of this movie that i never thought i would see on screen i would never fathom in my brain that i would see this I just, I found this super enjoyable. Mm. Wow. Okay. Oh, I can't wait to watch this. Yeah. And it's a type of anxiety and fear mm-hmm. watching a movie that I've like not experienced very often. But yeah, mm. it does kind of give you the same vibes as Free Solo where you're like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, cool. But yeah, I recommend watching this. It's such a good time. It's super entertaining. I think that people will be pleasantly surprised. It's a lot better than I, at least I thought. Than the trailer. Then the trailer makes it seem. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. Uh, Edison, what did you pick? All right. For my film this week, fitting the theme, A Friend in Need is a Friend Indeed, I picked Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, yes. <laughs> which I finally watched. This was on my most anticipated list uh, uh, last like year. Oh, like three years ago. Don't say yeah. last year. <laughs> no, you're right. It's not 2021. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It took him so long to finish it. <laughs> I know. Okay, so I'm sure everyone who's listening knows the story of Pinocchio, but if just in case there's two of you who don't, (laughs) it originated in the novel, The Adventures of Pinocchio, which came out in 1883. Whoa. By, yeah, Italian writer Carlo Collodi of Florence in Tuscany. And Pinocchio is a marionette who was carved by a woodcarver named Geppetto in this small Tuscan village. And he's created as this wooden puppet, but he dreams of becoming a real boy. And Pinocchio's sort of the thing that he's known for most is his long nose, which grows when he lies. Mm -hmm. Pinocchio is a story that has been told many times and been reimagined in many different ways. It's there's something universal about the story here, about the lessons that are in it that people just keep coming back to probably most famously in the Disney cartoon from 1940, which I can't Mm -hmm. believe is 80 years old. That was not crazy. Yeah. Oh, my God. Right? Wow. Okay. (laughs) So this film is co-directed by Guillermo del Toro and Mark Gustafsson and includes voice acting from Ewan McGregor, who does Jiminy Cricket, and David Bradley as Geppetto. Gregory Mann is the young actor who voices Pinocchio, and he's awesome. Mm -hmm. And this was like a long-time passion project for Guillermo del Toro. Mm. He's quoted as saying that no other character has ever had as deep of a personal connection to him. That's why I wanted to see this so badly in the first place. Mm. You saw this, right, Sinclair? Yeah. And you have not seen it yet, Helen. I haven't, no. Yeah. So it's set in a different time. It begins. This one takes place in World War One mm. in Italy. It starts there. Geppetto has lost his son, Carlo, when a bomb struck the town church that had Carlo inside. Mm. And this sequence is how the film opens, and it's really really sad Hmm. you really feel for this man and and what a loss that that would be and the pain of war and so where carlo was buried geppetto planted this pine cone and then he just mourned basically for 20 years unable to move on with his life constantly revisiting carlo's grave as the years go on and the tree grew and then one night 20 years later he's in this drunken sort of misery and he chops down the tree and carves oh. the boy from it, right? Is this part of the original story or this is something new? No, this is an interpretation of it for this film. Yeah. Okay. But then this like, so seeing this, his unrelenting grief, there's this blue goddess, almost like sphinx looking wood sprite 
um, mm. gives life to the doll and mm-hmm. calls it Pinocchio after the pine mm-hmm. tree. So the wood sprite is voiced by Tilda Swinton. And you can tell immediately because she's <laughs> got such a distinctive voice and it's so good. Obviously, she would be a goddess. And <laughs> then another similar goddess, Death, who Pinocchio visits because he's essentially like a mortal. He dies, he can die, but then he goes into this death's realm and then comes back to life. Yeah, he Mm. can like keep Uh, dying. Yeah, Mm. exactly. That uh, character, Death, is voiced by Kate Blanchett, who, again, you can tell immediately who has such a distinctive voice. And I just was like, oh my God, I need these two women to headline a film together so much. Yeah. Kate Blanchett is the weird monkey. She's also the weird monkey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's also Spazatura, this weird monkey. <laughs> That's just it, though. He just makes weird monkey sounds. <laughs> if we needed further validation and confirmation that Kate Blanchett could literally do anything, she, in one film, plays the goddess Death and also a monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... This film is beautiful. It's beautifully designed. The animation, it's so gorgeous. Uh, did you like this, Sinclair? I did like it, yeah. It's very it's very much him. Like, a lot of his themes are put into this Yo, as well. Yeah. And it, and is it, it dark? Upon. Not as dark as you think it would be, no. Okay. No, yeah, there's it's dark not, it... themes, but it's, it's not... As dark as his other Not like Pan's Labyrinth. No. Dark. <laughs> oh, good God. No, nowhere no, near. Okay. No, like a kid could watch this. No. Okay. For sure. It's dark because, again, he's touching in upon those themes, like you say, Sinclair. Like, Lots it, of you Mussolini. know, it's 20 years after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's World More War II. Mussolini We're in Italy. Than you're used to in a Pinocchio story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that, again, like when we were just talking about Megan, that I have to say about Pinocchio. Pinocchio is also not alive in the way that we understand mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. but he has conscience, right? Con- consciousness. He has. He's a sentient being. Like, does that make him alive? I know right. I couldn't kill Pinocchio. I would yeah. if I was like, going to light him on fire. I would feel like I was committing murder. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. is he also just like proto AI? Like, mm. <laughs> what about the robot? He's magic. I mean, everybody else kind of just acts like it's not weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's true. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so weird. They just put them to work, like they put anybody else to work. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I was really glad to see it. You could feel the care and the passion that went into every detail of making this film. And yeah, it was a joy to watch. There's like musical numbers, it's heartwarming. I had forgotten completely about them going into the stomach of a whale. And I, I was know. like, oh, right, yeah. that's a whole thing. Um, But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this. I was glad to see it. Nice. All right, Sinclair, what did you pick? Okay, I watched uh, Eve's Bayou from 1987, directed by Cassie Lemons. Yes, who just directed the Whitney film. I want to dance with somebody. This was her feature film debut in 1997. I realized that when we talked about about I want to dance with somebody, we spent so much time talking about the movie and about Whitney, we didn't really talk about her. Hmm. I know. <laughs> so since we didn't really chat about her, I was interested in her filmography. And mm-hmm. when I looked at it, she has a, a pretty fascinating filmography. It's not a big filmography, but she mm-hmm. has directed some 
important films, this being one of her most important films, if not the most important film. And this was her... Oh, sorry. I want to dance with somebody. That's, that's great, too. But, it, you know, this was a, a big deal. This was actually a really big deal. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just making it worse. Um, <laughs> okay, this is a really important movie on her filmography. Not to say she, that she does not have other really important films on her filmography, uh-huh. such as I want to dance with somebody, which I will never forget and will love until the end of time. So, <laughs> Eve's Bayou, this movie follows a 10-year-old girl named Eve, played by Journey Smollett, who also played Denise from Full House, which when I started watching oh, this movie, I was like, Denise! Yeah. She was also in Friday Night Lights. That's what I know her from. Yeah, like very cute, very precocious kid. Mm -hmm. So Eve lives in Louisiana with her family. Her dad is played by Samuel L. Jackson. He plays a very well-respected doctor in their community. And this is in the 1960s. They are a really well-off black family. And there is so much history here when this movie starts Really, with the South, I can't even get into Mm. all the history. That is Mm -hmm. the backdrop Mm. of this movie. But, you know, there were French and Spanish colonies in Louisiana. There were settlers that were marrying African-Americans. It created this whole community. It is a full thing. And Mm. that is the the history of the family that we're focusing on in this film there's just a lot of it it's it's very rich so what i thought was really interesting about this is normally when i've watched movies that take place in the south about black characters they are portrayed as poor Mm. or slaves and this one focuses on a just a really well-respected almost aristocratic black family and this Mm -hmm. was in the night this was 97 so it's felt special in that way because it's Mm. not generally what you see Mm -hmm. in films especially in the 90s so this is a coming of age tale eve witnesses her father like fooling around with a woman that's a family friend and really realizes that you know her dad is he's a bit of a philanderer he's going Mm. about town (laughs) Eve tries to tell this to her sister, Cicely, and her sister says, you didn't see that. Like, that's not what happened. You didn't see that. And Yeah, and it's just because the sister didn't want to see her father in that way. Mm. So this movie is very much about the relationships between the women in this family, Mm. the friendship they have um, amongst one another, the secrets they keep from each other, the secrets Mm. that they tell each other. Mm. And, you know, what ends up happening is Cicely tells Eve that she is being molested by her father, that her her father tried to molest her one night. And... In hearing this, Eve wants to help her sister and protect her sister. And then she goes to a, like a swamp witch to Mm. have some sort of voodoo put on her Mm. father to cause her father's death. And so this is a Southern Gothic film. So there's all these different elements of mysticism and the occult and, you know, spirituality and... She also forms a bond with her aunt who has psychic abilities as well. 
Ooh. And Eve also has sight. This this sounds like there's a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very full there's story. There's just a lot. There's a lot of relationships, a lot of like sisterhood, friendship, all this stuff. There's a lot going on. So what did you think of it, Sinclair? And what did you think of her directing? This movie is really good. It just is so thematically rich. Mm. And there is something really special about this movie, the time it was done, how great the female characters are in this and how great Mm -hmm. the black characters are in this and how fully realized they are. And just the the richness of the setting and the history, it's, it's really good. It does feel very 90s in parts. Yeah. But... This was a really important movie in the 90s that I feel like not a lot of people have watched now. But in Mm -hmm. in 97... I've never heard of it. This was the most commercially successful independent film of 1997. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I remember it being very hypey when it came out, but I didn't see it at the time. Yeah. And then she's done other films and had had a decent career and obviously directed the best movie of all time i want to dance with somebody <laughs> um, yes casey lemons but yeah i mean there's just there's a lot to this movie very rich and and worth a watch for cool. sure nice well this has been another episode of talk movie to me if you would like to get in touch with us our email is talkmovietome at gmail.com follow us on instagram at talkmovietome tweet at us at tmtm podcast rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts i'm helen i'm miss sinclair and i'm edison your best friend <laughs> thank you <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you.